From the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University, welcome to Depth of Field, a podcast highlighting the careers, experiences, and accomplishments of our broadcast and cinematic arts graduates. I'm your host, Patty Williamson. Join me as I chat with media pros who reflect on their time at CMU, their lives and careers after graduation. Along the way, they'll share advice they have for anyone looking to work in a wide variety of media fields. And that's why we call it Depth of Field. Joining us today on Depth of Field is McConnell Adams, a 1993 CMU grad and a BCA major. He's currently Director of Content at Town Square Media in Lansing. McConnell, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that. Thank you for all the fancy titles because it makes me seem like I'm super official and I do things. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, I have to state this right off the top that you and I went to school together. We actually started at CMU in the BCA department together years ago. And we have a long history of doing radio, talking about radio. So I'm really excited to have you here today to talk about what your career path has been. It is a blessing to be here. And yes, we are officially old enough where we get to say words like back in my day. Um, and it's 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 amazing, you know, how far we've come because you and I used to work at 91 Rock FM. I was thinking about this the other day too, Patty. Um, we worked and kids' minds would be blown. We worked in a day where we actually played vinyl on a big platter and we used to slip cue. And the kids were like, what is a slip cue? The platter would play underneath and we'd hold the record in place and let it go to start it up, you know, as far as it, because now when it gets digital and you see intro times and stuff. And mind you, we had to make sure that record was pulled back far enough because if we slip queued it and it didn't go back, <laughs> we, we use these magical things called carts back in the day. And folks are like, are those eight tracks? And I'm confusing everybody with what they're, but yeah, it's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing to be asked. And thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. And when we edited, we actually had to use tape and razor blades. Oh, God. Oh, wait, wait. And what, the, the, the wax pencils? Yep. Y'all have no idea. Because you got digital now. You got cool edit. You got Adobe. You got Vox Pro. We actually had to string it out, market, market, cut it, tape. Oh, Lord have mercy. Oh, we come, go, we come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> so when you first came to CMU, did you know that you wanted to do radio? Was that part of your game plan? Yes. Mind you, when I went to school, when I went to high school, I graduated high school uh, in 88 uh, at Rochester High. And I moved up to Michigan uh, from Mississippi back in about 83, 84. My dad lived in Detroit, so I used to come visit him during the summers. And I used to listen to radio a long time ago back then. And the radio in Detroit was much better than what we used to listen to in little old Podunk, Greenville, Mississippi. You know, back then, I remember... JLB and just, you know, listening to, I remember, I'm going to really, really date myself. I'm a child of the 70s, okay? When they used to come, I remember Taste the Honey and Get Down, Boogie, Oogie, Oogie used to be on, but I remember listening to that and I'm like, that's radio, that sounds awesome. When I finally moved up and um, lived then and before I graduated high school, I used to listen to 96.3 WHYT in Detroit. And that was my station in between then and JLB and just like, this is awesome. So when I started going and my dad made me go check out colleges and stuff. Uh, I was looking for a place that had a pretty decent broadcasting department. And yeah, when I got to CMU, that was the thing that was in my head that I kind of wanted to do. Was it a difficult decision for you to make to come to CMU? No. And I'll tell you, this is a, it's a magical story. Um, my dad, God bless him, he was like, you know, okay, cool. Um, about my junior year, so he was like, it's time for you to start, you know, getting out and going to look at colleges because 
You ain't staying in my house. You're getting it. You don't get a job, but you're going to college one way or the other. So there was three schools that I definitely remember. I think we went to the University of Dayton in Ohio, Dayton Flyers, I think if that's correct. Great. It was okay, but also Ohio. Um, so there was that. We went to Michigan State University. And mind you, I work in Lansing now. And it was ominous. It was huge. And mind you, Big Ten, for those of you that are, you know, Michigan State is huge. And, you know, to get across campus, you know, maybe taking a bus and whatnot. And uh, we found out about college radio at, CM, uh, at uh, Michigan State University. Um, I think you had to wait a year or two before you could be on the radio. So I was like, okay, great, but big college and I won't be able to do it. And then we came to CMU. And it couldn't have been more magical if we tried. I remember we were standing for the Warner Hall. It was fall. And just like the colors of maroon and gold, the leaves seemed to be just that perfect color. Uh, the malt shop was back behind us where SPX and everything used to be. Um, it just couldn't have been any better. And I'm looking around and I'm just like, this is too pretty for words. And you see the majesticness of the building and just, I was like, I think this is it. And then <clears throat> found out as well too that um, I had a chance to be on the radio first year. I was like, okay. I think this is it, and that's what I wanted to do. And uh, man, I, and it sounds like I'm advertising. CMU was magical. It was just magical at that time. And there's been so many advancements in buildings that have been built and torn down. But at that point, in that time, you could it was picture perfect. It was postcard perfect. So you got involved with the radio station right away, as did yes. I. So we did a lot of stuff together, working on air, promoting the station. I think you were a promotions director at some point. Yes. <laughs> but you also started Urban Exchange on 91 yes. Rock FM. Yes. I remember when I <clears throat> got started at 91 and you kind of came in kind of like as a little intern for people. So you work with somebody. Oh, uh, I remember his name was Mark. I can't remember what his last name was, but he did like late nights on, uh, on 91 Rock FM. And I went in and I kind of learned how to do the thing and uh, just I learned from him. And I think I got a chance to come in. I got to do some overnight shifts on 91 Rock FM. And it was exciting for me. It was, at the time being, 91 was like, it was like a rock hybrid. So, you know, played rock, played alternative. Uh, the big show on 91 Rock FM that everybody wanted to be on. And, you know, we grew up in, in alternative heyday. Um, so uh, it was a show called Contraband. And Contraband was it. You were going to be college radio. That was it. So there was that one. And then we had uh, a bunch of other different shows. Um, was it the Metal Shop? I think was the classic. I mean, was the uh, the Metal the Metal Show? Brian Sullivan, who was a good friend of ours, God rest his soul. Uh, Brian Sullivan used to do kind of like the oldie show um, on Fridays. What was the name of the oldie? Show? I can't remember if you remember that or not. Solid Gold Friday. Solid Gold Fridays. Yes, it was, and he was amazing. And then uh, we didn't have, and I, far be it for me to come and go. Can I do a hip hop show on the Rock? station thingy and they let me and it was amazing and uh a gentleman by the name of Merle Kane did the show with me and we it, it, it's we played 90s hip-hop on Thursday night I think it was Thursday night to we have Thursday night it was it's I think we started or, or they moved us to, anyway um they let us do this show and it was amazing absolutely amazing and uh that's where everything really really like, I doing normal format on 91 Rock FM was cool and I got to fill in during daytime, and that was good. But they let me have a specialty show, and it caught on. And it was just really, really cool. And Urban Exchange outlived your stay at CMU because it ran on WMHW for years after wow. you left. And now we have 
two radio stations because of HD. So one of the two stations is now The Beat, which is a hip-hop station. Wow. I, I did hear about that. I did hear that. Um, is it is it The Mountain? Is it 91? Is it 91? It's The Mountain. And now there is an actual full-fledged hip-hop dance, which is great. I'm like, where was that at when I was I was going? Because... Um, <laughs> We did we did specialty programming on that, and then we also did um, a little something over uh, at Anspa Hall uh, for their little AM station that they used to have, and I think it was WCHP. Yeah, so CHP, you pretty much flipped the format and started a whole new station. Yeah, um, CHP. And it's it, for folks who don't know for BCA uh, over at Moore Hall. Uh, that was ninety-one Rock FM. That was the institution before I got there and everything. And it was great to be a part of it. Um, and we did a lot of different things there, but I'd been doing Urban Exchange uh, there, and a good friend of mine by the name of uh, Brent Carey, Brent Coswell, he was over in Anspa Hall. He was a broadcasting major as well, too. Uh, but Anspa, which is the journalism department, they had a Courier Current radio station, AM, underneath there, and the journalism thing. And it was kind of, it was alternative as well, too. But uh, it got to be to a point where Brent was able to take it over, and he was going to make it full-fledged. Um, it was it. Uh, Jam 65, and I think is what we called it. It was 6.50 a.m., so we called it Jam 65. And um, we decided to make that whole thing hip-hop and R&B, and that's what we did. It didn't have as big a signal as 91.5, and that's not saying much, because 91.5 didn't really have a super-duper-duty signal, but it was Carrier Current, and we did that over there, so we were actually able to do that, and now you got the beat and Urban Exchange. And it's, once again, it's a blessing as well, too, that Urban Exchange, I, gradu- I got to there in 88, I graduated in 93, and I actually had somebody who was hosting the show tell me it was still on a long time ago as well, too. So that is awesome that that started and all those things from, from that. But that's, that's, that speaks to the, to the school, CMU. That speaks to the broadcasting department. Um, if you get in, you can do practically anything. And that was, you know, that's an awesome thing for me. Thanks. What were some of your favorite memories from college? Wow, man. From 91 Rock FM, when I was promotions director, we did a promotion. I don't know if you remember this. We did Death of a DJ. And we hit clues in different places. Uh, what was it? Was it Warehouse Records? Was that the name of the, the record place? The, the record okay, so there was Warehouse Records. Uh, we hit clues in different places. So you had to go pick up a clue. And we killed off DJs at the radio station. And that was a really, really, really big undertaking. That was some, I was surprised to let me do it, but it was fun. There was a talk show that used to be on. Tony Biddick used to host it. Ski Anderson was a part of it. Uh, it, was, it was called Crosstalk, and it was simulcast on the radio and on TV, which was great. They let me do record reviews or entertainment news on the TV station at one time. And mind you, the, the BCA department was radio and television. I was radio. And it was kind of crazy because it seemed like it was two, two different classes of cultures of people. There was like the radio folk and then there was the TV folk, and sometimes they intermingle. So I got a chance to do that. I'm not going to go into the debauchery that was Mayfest, but let me tell you, friends, back in the day, there was um, Western Weekends, and then there was Mayfest. We used to have these great concerts and everything. My first Mayfest, I went with a bunch of folks from 91 Rock FM, and one day, Uncle McConnell will tell you about how awesome that was. <laughs> yeah, sobriety. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> uh, there were so many memories, so many people. Jerry Henderson, uh, Vicki Ratliff. There's just so there was so much stuff. And if you know, when I talk to people and the kids, are like you know, do you need to go to college? Go to college. Go go get these memories. Have these experiences because 
I wouldn't be the broadcaster that I am today if it was not for the stuff, the lifelong friendships that I made. But yeah, that was there's was some amazing, amazing things that happened while I was at TMU. That was great. And I've only scratched the tip of the mountaintop. Ta-da, if I could talk about that. But, but yeah, that's that was some great stuff that happened. Yeah, some of the stories we might not want to bring up on No, tape. no, no, not at all. But once again, mm, Mayfest was a blast from what I remember. <laughs> well, you were also working professionally while you were going to school, too. Yeah, yes, I was. In Mount Pleasant, the radio station, I think, all hits 95 TFX is there. And for those of us that were trying our best to be in that genre, uh, the big thing was to try your best to get over there. And if you can imagine being the local professional radio station and how many kids they were trying their best to get on. Um, so there were some great alumni who got over there. George Bates got in there. Dave Lawson got over there. Um, and the guy that was on the alternative rock station who was doing the hip hop show, I uh, got in over there. Big shout out to Ken Bergstrom, who I bet is still there right now. Is, is he still, yeah, Ken Bergstrom is still, he's been there forever. He's a CMU graduate too as well, right? Um, so there's that. Um, so I actually was able to get in over there. There was a station down in Battle Creek, which was, it was, it was that job got me a job in Detroit. Uh, but I was, during the summers, I used to drive from Mount Pleasant down to Battle Creek and stay at the on-air mixing DJ's house. And uh, I worked at, it was at uh, B95 in Battle Creek, WBXX. And amazingly enough, now they're a part of the company that I work for. I dropped out of college for a year and went and worked over at 100.5 Fox in Saginaw. So while I was still going to school and quit going to school for a while, I was still working in uh, in uh, in Mid Michigan. So that there was that. So yes, I did do a lot of stuff. But all that stuff once again helped me to get the jobs that I wanted and go the places I wanted to because you know you got to get some professional stuff under your belt. I wasn't an intern; I was an actual DJ at these places. So you got to a major market fairly quickly. Yes, and that that type of thing doesn't really happen. My I. My dream job at my dream radio station happened like right after I got out of college. And uh, as I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned beforehand or whatever, but um, the station that I loved was 96.3 WHYT in Detroit. It was a top 40 station. And during my final year of college, I remember me, there's another gentleman by the name of Mark Slaughter and a handful of other people. We were like, I bet we could get in there and go check out the building as a college group of college kids coming for a tour. And lo and behold, they did it. So we set up, um, I think it was a spring break that we went and we did it. And we went there and um, we got the tour. We got to go in um, the hollowed halls of 96 point. At the time being, it was in the Fisher building. WJR was there as well too. So going into the Fisher building itself is amazing. Then you're taking the golden elevators all the way up top. And that was amazing. And then when you got there um, to go, from the security doors into the halls and you're seeing all the autographs on the wall of all the people who signed and have been there. At the time being uh, during the tour, I got a chance to meet a gentleman by the name of Dave Vogel. He was the afternoon guy, the electrifying Vogel, who took his name from the electrifying Mojo. And I remember hearing Vogel on the radio, Vogel on the radio, that's always his name. So we went in and he talked to us and he's a great guy, great character, friends with him to this day. And um, I had an air check with me from B95 in Battle Creek. So once again, I was going to college but because I was going to college and did a job someplace else, I had an air check. And I said, hey, man, I know I don't have tops to make it here, but could you at least just listen to this? And, you know, my name and phone number's on it. Give me a call. Always be prepared. Always be grinding. And he took it. And after we left, 
um, legendary program director by the name of Rick Gillette came in. And I'm pretty sure Dave was like, yeah, college kids came in. This guy gave me his air check. Let's listen to how bad it is. He popped it in and they listened and listened and listened. And finally, Gillette was like, stop that. And he said, give me that. And they called me and they hired me to come and do weekends. And uh, that eventually uh, moved on to full time. But uh, yeah, and that's the amazing ride that this business is. You know, um, I had a dream. I worked really, really hard at it. And lo and behold, I got the call. I get, I get goosebumps thinking about it now because that happened so quickly. And in your mind, you might think like, okay, cool. I got my dream. So it's all downhill from here. But that was just everything just beginning. It had to be amazing to be in your hometown at a huge hit station. Was it something that all of your friends and family were listening all the time and excited to hear you? Petrifying. It was absolutely petrifying. Let me tell you a real quick story too, because I went down and mind you, this was senior year. So I went down, did the interview, got the job. So I was still in school, you know, before I, you know, everything. So I went, I got the job at the radio station, because you usually get a crazy name. For those of you that don't know, my on-air name has been forever now, Man at Large, and people call me Large all the time. So, and Rick Gillette gave me that name. And when I sat down in his office, and after we, I got the job, he's explaining the gig to me and stuff, and Gillette is quite a character, very, very animated program director. And so he was coming up with this name for me, and he was like, okay, because my name at Battle Creek was MC Nasty. Don't ask, don't ask, don't ask. <laughs> so he heard my air check, he heard my delivery, and he was trying his best to come up with a name for me. He goes, you sound like you're kind of, you know, you're out of control, you're on the loose. And then at the time being, there was a group called Men at Large. And he kind of came up with the name. He's like, all right, he goes, Large. He goes, you're Men at Large. Like, you know, a wanted criminal or something or whatever. So I'm like, okay. So I'm going to be on my dream radio station, Men at Large. Yeah. So I came back and my friends like, all right, you got the job. Yeah. They're like, did you get a cool nickname? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your name? I'm like, man at law. <laughs> and I had a room full of brothers looking at me like, man at what? And so that was that. But it's, I can't imagine being anything else right about now. That was so funny to me. And I, it's, it's great. But yes, being in Detroit, Detroit, there's always this thing when you get a new job at a new radio station. And when you first crack that microphone and you punch that button, you slide that pot up, you turn that pot um, about saying and those call letters for the first time and hopefully you don't mess up the call letters and hoping you get the post and hoping you sound good. And, you know, chances are you're going to mess up, but you know how petrifying that was because press the button, the dream is on, slide that pot up, here we go. And uh, yeah, that was it. That was amazing. I had some great memories from that. Um, I went on from doing weekends. They eventually changed format a little bit. Um, oh, when I started, I was doing weekends. And then we actually had a live late night mix show. And there's a DJ across from me. He's mixing. I'm firing carts. Yeah, wildest dreams come true. But that's that's the magic of what this business is. That's That was great. So you've been doing this a long time. Do you ever still get nervous when you open the mic? Yes. Yes, I do. There's, there's so much stuff to focus on. It's um, You were driving the bus, you know what I'm saying? And back in the day, it used to be relatively simple. Press these buttons for the cart, press these buttons for the CD. Um, now it's your automation systems in front of you. Might be touchscreen. The commercials are over here. Auto fade this, you get three pots here for this one. 
and Vox Pro might be over here. Adobe Audition might be over here. If something freezes, you don't know what's going on. So it's like on steroids. Back in the day, it used to be like VU meters, carts, CD player, reel to reel. That was it. Now there's 27 different things that's going on. It's, it's crazy. It's made So yes, you, st you still get, and I think at a point in time sometimes too, if you still don't have that slight amount of nervousness, if you still don't have that excitement, if you're just like, if you're throwing it in, because I don't know, that's, you've lost something. So yeah, I, I am thrilled to still be excited and scared sometimes to press the button and not know what's going to happen. But that's radio. That's the magic of, that's why, that's why I still do this. That's why I still love this. So from HYT in Detroit, you were doing weekends, and then were you full-time there? Did you move on to a different station? We eventually moved up, and became, I became full-time. 96.3 went from kind of like a, a rhythmic top 40 to a more mainstream top 40 to a alternative top 40 hybrid. Uh, I ended up doing nights there for a bit. And then after that, because they kind of flipped the script on everybody, um, and that was a format change so that happened. Uh, ended up going up to Gaylord slash Traverse City. I worked up there at 106.7, uh, 106.7 The Peak, uh, which is great. Had a great time up there. One of the best moves of my life, uh, even though it was after the major market. Uh, but I learned so much and we solidified. You had a bunch of people who came. It was me. I know Brent Carey was there. There's a gentleman by the name of Aaron Santini now, who's a good friend of mine. Uh, there's a gentleman who's still up there. Rob Weaver, Dream Weaver. Love that man. And um, yeah, that was a great time. After that, Ended up going, oh, and it was cool too because we were 106.7 to peak, and there was a 106 KHQ, and that was a nice rivalry going on. And that, you know, for you to thrive and enjoy radio, you got to have some competition. And we were at it like cats and dogs, so that was great. Uh, after that, ended up bouncing down to WIOG, 102.5 WIOG. And when we were going to college, and, you know, when we used to walk through the lobbies and the halls or whatever, you know, residence hall we're staying in. That was the building that was on. If it wasn't that, it was Z93. If it wasn't that, it was 95 CFX. So to make it to WIOG, 100,000 watt heritage monster powerhouse, that was amazing. So I was there and got a chance to do nights there and did mornings there. After that, because we were involved in major competition there, uh, Jerry Clifton, who was another legendary consultant dude, he's got stories out the yin-yang. Jerry Clifton was like, okay, we can't hire that guy. So Jerry Clifton found a way for me to get offered a job in Dallas, Texas. So I went from doing, being a top 40 specialist. And the last time I did Urban was back in uh, Mount Pleasant at, 90, at, at Urban Exchange and stuff. I went from being top 40 at a heritage pop icon at WIOG to doing nights at one of the most well-known urban stations in the country and at K104 in Dallas. That was a little bit intimidating. By a little bit, I mean a lot intimidating. Uh, I was there for a year and then uh, came back up to DRQ in Detroit. So that's two tours of duty in Detroit. That's a blessing. You know, major market, out of college. Bounced around for a bit, went to Dallas, did good there, came back, major market again. So a lot of people don't make a major market their entire life. I've already been three times. So I was there. After there, I went back to IOG for a bit. After IOG, went to Fort Wayne. From Fort Wayne, I went to Alaska, and I was in Alaska for 10 years. After Alaska, I got done, and after Alaska, I came, and that's put me here in Lansing, and I've been here for the better part of four years. So I'm definitely going to circle back to Alaska because I have all kinds of questions about life in Alaska. But I did want to bring up the fact that you talk about your bouncing from station to station, and that's sort of the life in radio, isn't it? It is indeed. It is indeed. 
I, if I were to compare radio to a living organism, I don't think that's that's a stretch or kind of like ominous, but radio is a living, breathing organism. It evolves. It gets bigger. It absorbs. It consumes. It changes. If it stayed the same, it would be stagnant and die. And that's a great thing to remember as a personality and as a professional going into this business. If you only do one thing and you stay in that one lane, you'll go stagnant and die. You will be eliminated. And that's the thing about radio. Um, you and I started at a time where we slip cued vinyl. We went from vinyl to carts to people stealing CDs at 91 Rock FM. From CDs to digital audio tape. We used to edit on reel-to-reel, eight-track tapes. Digital audio tape to CDs to now MP3s and waveforms. And uh, back then, I used to work on something called Maestro. There's Zeta now. There's NextGen. There's Wide Orbit. We, it has evolved. People are amazed when they come into a room now. There's no CD players anymore, unless it's the CD player in the actual hard drive of the computer that's in there. There is no cart machines. There is no nothing. There's a board. There's two or three gigantic screens. You might have Box Pro. You might have Adobe Audition. Everything is digital now. We have gone from having Arbitron Diaries to PPMs, where you walk around with little things that automatically pick up stuff. You work in formats where, you know, or, or markets where you say call letters and markets where you don't. It evolves. And sometimes you'll have a job and you'll be the best there and you'll get great ratings and you still might get the boot because um, research shows that the format you're doing right now no longer exists. Smooth jazz, anybody? Because that doesn't exist anymore really as a format. It's there, but not too many places. Formats come, formats go. The, your job might be eliminated because of budget cuts. Your job might be eliminated because they're downsizing because they've got a, a major market, they're si- a major market show, they're syndicating everybody. Sometimes it's warranted, sometimes it's not. It's all part of the game. It's just like um, just like football. Hey, you're a great quarterback. You've been traded. Hey, we made the playoffs four times in a row. We need to upgrade so we can make it to the Super Bowl. Um, somebody might get moved up because you cost you cost too much money. Some it, you never know sometimes, but it's a volatile field. You got to know that going in. And if that's not for you, that this that sound it's going to sound horrible if I said this might not be the thing for you. But it's an acceptable thing. It's an acceptable win loss thing. The passion we have for this business will pick you back up and make you get back in the game. And after, and that's just it. It's an unfortunate thing about the business, but yes, it evolves. And sometimes it does, it works out in your favor. Sometimes it kicks you to the curb and you're like, poop. Why me? See, I cleaned it up for you. I was going to say some other curse words, but I cleaned it up. So, but yeah, it's, it's unfair sometimes. She's a, an unrelenting, unfair thing, but that's such as life. You know, all you can do is be prepared, know as much as you can, be adaptable. Learn as much as you can about everything that you can, because the more hats you can wear, the more valuable you are. So let's talk a little bit about that move to Alaska. What prompted you to decide, Alaska, that's where I'm going to work next? I had been in Fort Wayne for two, maybe three years, and I did not like the direction everything was going. They'd case in point. Uh, I was on the hot AC station. I was doing mornings with my co-host. We'd evolved it into good stuff. I got brought in and I was doing afternoons. I was brought in for something different and started doing mornings. And they decided they were going to flip the format on our station and put the classic rock station they had in the cluster back on the on this station that I was doing. So they moved me over to the rhythmic hip hop station. I was doing afternoons there. The program director, who is a good friend of mine right now, uh, at the time being, he was a young punk program director. And I'm like, why am I having to answer to a dude who don't has as much, doesn't have as much experience as me? I was frustrated. I was not in a good place in life. Uh, I had some of my own demons that I was running away from. So I was looking for something 
something to do someplace else to go. The guy who was our consultant name was Mark St. John. And I think he worked for a company called Napoleon. Um, when I was searching the trades and everything, I saw that he was looking for an air talent for a rhythmic top 40 in, of all places, Anchorage, Alaska. I knew Mark St. John. I was looking for a job. And I'm like, Alaska? So I called him up. I'm like, hey, what's this all about? And he proceeded to talk to me. But he was like, it's Alaska. It's a long ways away. It's kind of like getting a job in Hawaii because not in the mainland anymore. If you take this, he goes, he goes I, I'm pretty sure you can do the job. He goes, but he goes, it's a complete change of everything. I'm like, all right. So I sent in the tape and resume, and he made it so. I was like, okay, cool. I get to fly it for an interview. Um, it was on my birthday. And I'm like, if I get the job, cool. And I'll now work in Alaska. If I don't, hey, free trip to Alaska. And that was in 2006. Flew in, sat down. Gentleman's name was uh, Tom Oaks. Tom sat me down and was a little bit intimidating, but I was in Alaska. I was just like, mountains, moose, Alaska. I was just, they took me out. I saw glaciers. While interviewing for the job, we almost hit a moose. Tom will tell you this story. And we went back in and I sat down and he, they had, uh, I forgot what they call it, uh, a perceptual that was done. And they're like, here we go. This is what's wrong with this radio station. Take a look at it. Do you think you can fix it? And I went through and I was looking and I was like, I think I can. And the more I looked at it, I'm like, yeah, I can do this. And Tom was like, okay, we'll get back to you. Took a little bit of calling back and forth because Tom's like that. Tom wants to see if you really, really want the job. I'm like, yo, what's up? And uh, they hired me for the job. And I went to Alaska. And I worked um, for Lower Cape, uh, um, KFAT, KFAT 92.9 uh, in Anchorage, Alaska. I was there for a while, ended up leaving that job and bounced up to Fairbanks, where I was there for a couple of years. And uh, I was at uh, K-Wolf, K-Wolf 98.1 and Fairbanks for a bit. Got done with that, ended up bouncing back down to Anchorage, worked at a TV station for a little bit. And they told me, had I not had my degree from CMU, Broadcast and Cinematic Arts, I wouldn't have got the job, but I got hired in. And I never, other than stuff that I did in TV at TMU, I'd never worked in and did stuff in TV. They hired me. I was assistant coordinator and I worked in the uh, MCR. You helped get the shows and get, it blew my mind, but I knew what to do. And then after that, I went worked at um, 101.3 KGOT in Anchorage. And I was there for a couple of years. And that's still there. And I got some guy, uh, Casey, Casey Bieber, still there. And he's still the program director there. And after that, I got the job offer to come here on a whim because I didn't even apply for this job here in Lansing. And that's what it was. But I was in Alaska for 2007 to 2017. So how did you like Alaska? Alaska was cool because it was still radio, but almost radio in a place where time forgot. So a lot of the stuff that we'd already did here hadn't made it there yet. So it was you were able to come in. And like I say, we did Death of a DJ at 91 Rock FM. So I was already like, Let's do some cool stuff. And it was nice to be able to take some concepts from the lower 48 and bring it to Alaska and do it. And you could still do radio the way radio was meant to be, or, you know, do radio. As it, and you get to be a part of helping to evolve. I loved it. I really, really did. It was, I don't know if I want to say big fish, small pond, but it was still very, very competitive because there were other people who were in Alaska who were like, oh, we've done this somewhere else too. It was cool. And wow. Um, being late for work in Alaska is totally acceptable once you call them to tell them there's a moose in your parking lot. You can't get to your car. Um, <laughs> doing a, work here as well. Yeah. I used to like actually spin. So we broadcasted live from a club called Bernie's. And 
the party started at 10 and went till two. So we're on the radio doing all this stuff or whatever. Alaska's land in the midnight sun at about 10, 11 o'clock at night. It looks like it's dusk. So there you are spinning. You're live on the radio. And at one point in time, I'm like, look at the sun go down. And it looks like it went down because it went behind the mountain. It didn't. It was still, it was still there. So you're spinning in DJ at like almost two o'clock in the morning. And it still looks like late afternoon. It's great. It really, when people showed up, there was a major artist coming to Alaska. So they came in. I got to interview Ludacris on the air. Kathy, Kathy Griffin came in when she was doing her reality show. And we got to talk to Kathy Griffin. We were on her TV show. Because people are like, when you come to Alaska, their minds are blown. So it was great. It was nice doing radio someplace else. So I loved it. Fairbanks, though. Let's talk about Fairbanks. Um, radio in Fairbanks. Northern Exposure ain't got nothing on what you really, really do on Alaska radio. It's funny being on the radio and talking about school closings and stuff. But sometimes I want to be like, y'all a bunch of little bitches right about now. Because uh, in Alaska... They shut down. It's like, it was like, it was like negative something in Alaska. Like the kids are still going to school. What are y'all talking about? Um, I was on the radio in Fairbanks and there were days where it was negative 20, negative 30. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Uh, but there's that. Also in Alaska, earthquakes, volcano. Because one time it was Mount Redoubt. That's the name of the volcano. Yeah, today there's high chance of ash. <laughs> there was just so many things that you never thought of, you know, that you're talking about, but that's what made it exciting. And I'm on a rhythmic hip hop station in Anchorage. Man, that was great. That's a comment. It's like sometimes it's a blessing. Go other places, do other things. I want to go and be on the radio in England. I want to. I want to go to Australia and be on the radio. I, I want to do that. That's great. So I had a blast, man. It was awesome. So you end up back in Lansing and you mentioned mm -hmm. that it wasn't something that you even really applied for. Right. How did that happen? This is where I sit back and I give all glory and honor to God because God is amazing. Um, I had been wanting to come back home. I've been in Alaska for 10 years. I'm like, okay, it's time to come home. There are certain things about Alaska that are cool. There's also certain things about having to plan your trip, like, you know, a month in advance and not being able. You're in Alaska. You can't drive someplace else. You drive in Alaska for six hours, you're still in Alaska. So I was ready to return back home. I had applied to a gentleman by the name of Tom Cook who works for Town Square Media. And back in the day when I applied, there was nothing really that was ready, but um, God set it up. So I was ready to come back home and an opportunity was ready. And because of some relationships and always make sure the same people you see going up, the same people going down, foster these relationships in radio. Don't let your ego get so big where, you know, because we all know each other in one way, shape, form, fashion, or another. And somebody somewhere will be like, hey, did you work with this dude? How is he? And you don't want somebody going, yeah, when I worked with him, he was a spoiled or something like that. Um, so there's that one thing. Be nice, be kind, be courteous. You never know when you're going to run through. Craig Russell, who went to school with us, was at the time being, I think, working at WUPS in Mount Pleasant because he'd been around and been there, everything else like that. My friend Aaron Santini, who I worked with up in Gaylord, was down, down, he was either in Iowa. Oh, he was, he'd worked in Iowa and he was back in, he was at 106 KHQ. So I have two friends of mine who were here, one a CMU graduate, another friend of mine, one who was back in, Gaylord, Traverse City, and the other one who was now uh, back in Mount Pleasant, they were like, hey, McConnell, um, there is a position that's opening up back in Michigan. Are you interested in coming back home? And I'm looking up, I'm like, wow. And the same guy who I'd applied for for a job from beforehand was like, yeah, we've got this thing open. What do you think? And it just so happened that I was home visiting on vacation. And I was in, I remember I was in Coles, uh, it was Coles or Target. And Tom had talked to me. He goes, can you send me? I was in Target at first. 
can you send me an air checker resume? I had that ready, so I sent it off. He sent it to the guy who was, whose job I have now. His name was Chris Tyler. And uh, Chris Tyler called me up. He's like, I know you're on vacation, but is there any way you could possibly come up and see us for a day and spend the night? So I drove up, saw them, spent the night, woke up the next morning, came back in, met everybody in the building, and uh, I'm still here to this day. So uh, the most important thing out of that is always be ready, always be prepared, keep those relationships good. In college, out of college, it's it's a good thing. It's, it, it pays to be good. It pays to be nice because you never know when that's going to come back for you or you never know when you and your crappy attitude is going to come back and somebody's going to be like, I have been places where so I have called somebody up and they're like, nah, don't hire that guy. He's toxic in your building. So, and that's, that's real. That's real. Program directors, people talk to each other and they will remember you. It was a blessing when I got the job back here in Michigan, people actually sat back and, and they were like, dude, it's so awesome. You're back. And they heard me on the radio and all the work that I've done all around, there was not one person and I'm not bragging on myself. I'd say it's a, it's a blessing, all glory to God that, my name still had credibility and people still had good things to say about me. And even for you to sit back and come and say, Hey, McConnell, would you talk on the podcast? Once again, that's God. And that's just, you know, the ability to be around and say, I've been doing this since 88. I am, you know, blessed. I'm 51 years old. I don't look anything like what I've been through, uh, but it's a blessing to be able to be here and to have your name mentioned in the same breath as that's a good broadcaster. That's a good deal. Compared to when we were first getting in the business, it seems like there's not as clear a path for young people for those entry-level jobs in radio. What would your suggestion be for someone who wants to break into radio, but they're not really sure how? There don't oh. seem to be quite as many of those weekend gigs anymore for them. What's your advice? I'm, I'm glad you asked that. Get your on-air stuff down, and that's great. As a programmer in the business right now, my friends, if you are listening to this, get your digital together. Digital, digital, digital. You spend all day staring into that phone, learn how to write, get your writing skills down because they're looking for digital content creators, okay? While you're getting your um, your secondaries and stuff like that, your, your other classes, learn about photocop uh, the copyright law, photocopy law, um, learn about these things. Learn about digital, learn about streaming, learn about um, you know how to, how to analyze analytics, these type of things. Become a digital superstar if you can create content. Use your blogging and blogging skills for good, not evil people. That's the stuff that's going to get you in, especially for smaller markets and non-major market or non-major corporations, because they need people who can come in. Because people are like, so why do we need an app? Why do you need an app? Let me explain to you why. They need those people. If you got enough to be dangerous with, okay, one of the most powerful people in my building right now, mind you, she's an MSU graduate. She's a master's. Uh, she's our DME, our digital managing editor. She is on par with me. There's our market president, then there's me, who's the director of content, and then there's her. I cannot emphasize enough. Digital, digital, digital. Learn your radio stuff, learn everything, but learn how to create content, learn how to master the digital aspect of it, learn how to be able to sell that to people. Because just like you look on your phone or what, let me explain to you how important digital is and how crazy it is, okay? And Patty, you, uh, you'll laugh at this as well, too. In your car, there's this thing with knobs on it, and it gets radio stations, it's called a radio, all right? We are, and I, this is one of the liners that I that I put together, okay? Download the free 97.5 now I'm at. So when you get into your car and plug your phone into your car, our app is right there on your dashboard. Let me repeat to you, 
There's a promo that runs on the radio that reminds you when you get into your car with the radio in it, when you plug your phone into your car and the apps pop up on your dashboard, our digital app for our radio station is right there. Or you could just listen on the radio, but that's, you understand, that's that's where we are with everything. So your way in now is to be a digital monster or to know, because there are people who don't know and they need help with it. Just like your mom and dad might, what's the Facebook and why does the Facebook not work? Or what's the Instagram? Knowing how. I tweet, but I don't know what retweeting is. Yes, me, I don't. I got Instagram down and all the rest of that stuff. Facebook is for old people. I remind you constantly. But if you know social platforms, social media, you know how to do this thing, a podcast, you, that's how you get in. That's how you make yourself formidable that way. I just hired a guy and he came in. His main job, he's producing one of the sports shows, but his main job is to be the digital lead for our AM stations because I've got folks on our AM stations who are great at doing on-air stuff and they're they're, they're in the Broadcasting Hall of Fame, but they don't necessarily know how to do that. One part, his job is to do that. So that's your end. That's my gift to you. Learn the radio part, but learn as much as you can about all things digital, all things digital. And how to write. It's important you know how to write. That helps out with not only posting stuff, but when you send emails and send your resumes and stuff, because you don't know how many times I read stuff. It's like, who wrote this? So learn how to write. So you're director of content at Town yes. Square, but you also do mornings. So yes. how difficult is it for you to be up early and entertaining people and full of energy and kind of doing everything that needs to be done with a morning show? I'm going to answer that in two ways. First, the wearing of the mini hats is extremely important. Don't get ready, stay ready. Stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Can't get tired sometimes. I'm going to flip over on that, talk later about making sure you take care of your mental and everything, but... In this business now, when they come and they're like, we have another hat for you to wear. There's two answers. Nope, I'm not going to do that. Or nope, give me another one. I'll put it on my head. I was doing afternoons and I went back to doing mornings to do some things. Yes, I get up at about four o'clock, walk out the door by about five or so. I'm over at the station. By, I, I literally love across the street, no lie. I get there, I get all my show preps done from up from the stuff beforehand. I'm on the air from six until 10. Um, and then after that, it's everything else. In addition to my duties, I have to write articles manager staff. I've got four of the radio stations I have to make sure that I'm looking out for because we don't have brand managers for them at the time being. So yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot, but that's the way the business is now. We need people who can wear lots of hats. And if you want to get in to the building where I'm at and when I need help, I need to know that you're a good broadcaster, but I need to know more importantly that you're good digitally. That goes right back to what I just got through saying. Uh, but yes, there is a lot of stuff and a lot of hats that you have to wear. You and I both know, like I say, there's this X factor that we have as broadcasters, and it's the passion. I freaking love this business. I love it. Love it. Love it. 15-second intro up in Olivia Rodrigo thing or posting it, or if I just had a phone call with a mom in a car, and she just said the call letters at the end, or I know there, man, there's nothing, that man, there ain't nothing like that. A great interview. I can have a great interview with somebody who just dropped a new record, or else it's me and the lady from the Capital Area Humane Society came in, and they're the cutest puppy, and they just pooped on the floor, and you should adopt anyway. That's great. I love it. But you need to be able to wear all the hats, you know, at least have a good understanding of as many things as you can. The more you know, the more valuable you are. But my passion is what drives me. Second of all, I'm drinking coffee now. I drink a lot. Of, I don't, not that I need to drink a lot of coffee, but I'm naturally energetic anyway, because I love this. I love this. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. You gotta love what you do. If you don't love what you do. What do they say? If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. There's some frustrating stuff that I go through. Absolutely. But I don't speak on it as, 
man, I'm sick of doing this because blah, 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 and I don't want to do it in my ego. I love what I do. And people tell you too, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. I'm obsessive about stuff. I focus on things like, look, the audio y'all sent us to put on it, that's terrible. You know, that's good enough. Good enough is not good enough for me. I'm that dude. Take that work ethic. Take your work ethic with you. Strive. Just keep grinding. Keep grinding. Keep grinding. I thank God. And I think that's kind of what's kept me in this business for as long as I have. I'll do afternoons. I'll do mornings. I'll do nights. I'll do top 40. I have worked top 40. I work country. I work. Did not do classic rock? I did oldies. I don't care what format you put in front of me. I'll do it. When we talk with the twang, I'm one of the one. I'm one of the only brothers that works on the top forty radio station. And I love folks to be like, "You don't look anything like you sound." And I'm like, "I know what you tried to say." When you say that. I also worked on. I worked on the urban stage. And they're like, I had a couple folks like, "You sound like you come from a top forty station." I know what you're trying to say. But listen, no jobs too big, no jobs too small. Fathers and sons, no. do it all. Seriously, that's just the thing. You have to be ready and willing to do it all. So, what's been your proudest moment so far? Coming back home. And not even looking for that job because my God is amazing. He's just amazing. Like I said, I've got a couple stories, and I'll, I'll before we leave, I'll make sure I speak on one particular thing or whatever. But being able to come back home and to get that job, and for people to be like, you know, it's like you know, I'm coming home. Coming, that was great. And for people to still be able to say, "Yeah, Large is a cool dude. That's that. You know, he he knows his stuff. You know, the small victory sometimes uh, working with some good people and sitting and you know sitting and just like the friendships. That's, that's cool. I don't know if I've got like, man, winning is always cool, but not necessarily for the ratings. There's Michigan Association of Broadcasters here, but in Alaska, we have the Alaska Broadcasters Association. And I've been there for a while, but when they, we, you know, put in some things or whatever, when I won, like, you know, you know, best imaging, McConnell Large Adams, I'm like, I just won an award and I'm best in the state. That was dope. And it's not that's an ego thing. It's like, I love making imaging. I love doing production. When you mix, it's like, I'm the guy that came from there cutting and spice and tape. When Boda Jammer taught me how to edit a phone call in Detroit with the reel to reel and how he did that, I love that. When I do something on Adobe and I do all this stuff and I do the imaging, I love that. And for to, to be recognized by your peers for being good at what you do, that's great because a lot of hats in this, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, it's just nice to be, you know, this right here for my school to come back and be like, hey, would you talk for a little bit and tell people stuff? It's like, y'all want to hear from me? When we used to do this and Vicki Ratliff used to do things, I, Patty, I don't know if you remember, and I'll cheer up when I'm talking about this. We used to watch California air checks and they had a guy by the name of Art Volo, radio's best friend. He's from Michigan and everything. Art's a great guy. I've had a chance to talk to him a couple of times. Art Volo used to go around to different radio stations around the country and take people or film people. And you used to be able to order California air checks, volume six, volume seven, whatever. And he would go and you'd see some of the people that you were like amazed by. I remember he did um, Kid Kelly, Kid Kelly from um, Z100 in New York. I used to love Z100 in New York. And I watched him and he used to do some stuff. He was like, you know, we're going to do count them down on the Z. Z100, it's Kid, well, no, it's Kid Kelly. He does Backtracks USA right now on my station. I got to talk to Kid Kelly one day and I told him, I'm like, you have no idea. Vicky Ratliff played an air check from a guy, CFTW was in Canada. Tarzan Dan Freeman. You can watch it on YouTube. You can find it. I got a chance to call that guy and talk to him. And he thought I was calling to offer him a job. I'm like, dude, I'm calling you because I used to watch you in my broadcasting classes. And I'm like, you are amazing. And you're part of the reason why I do what I do. Bo the Jammer, who was the full-time night guy when I was on in Detroit, who taught me a bunch of stuff. To this day, I still tell Bo. 
if it was not for you showing me to do the stuff you did, he let me be his after, like when I was in the street, you know, I used to do the calling. Dave Fogel, who's still in Chicago right now, I talked to him and I'm like, and he's like, shut up, stop telling me how awesome I am and everything. But it's those things and those are proud moments for me that I can call on people and say, hey, you have no idea. And then for somebody else to be like, you did that for me or to be asked to come and do this. That's what this is. Cause it's like, I say, it's all about the passion for it. Cause I love doing this. I love doing this. You mentioned that you wanted to go back to speak on something. And this is my preachy moment and I'll just do it for a second. Being in management and being a jock and going through things between coronavirus and the job and two things. One, please take care of your mental health in this business. Um, we have a passion and, and it will take you to the highest heights and lowest lows. It's ego driven. Um, it's fame driven. You know, sometimes we get caught up in that. Sometimes, you know, being on that microphone, a uh, different persona and everything else like that. But remember, take care of your mental, take care of your mental health. When this gets too much for you and your mental health and you can't speak up about that, uh, then maybe it's time to go to a different place or something, you know. So don't ever let this, because I've seen people where it's done that. And speaking on that, I have to warn you this. I wish somebody would have warned me or told me about this as well, too. This business lends to us living an excessive lifestyle. We eat a lot. We don't take care of our bodies and our health that way. Sometimes we get obsessed with the fame a lot. Um, sometimes we get obsessed with the, I don't know how to say, be careful as far as when you go out and as far as who pays attention to you and how much time you spend. That you know, Be careful. Uh, just Because I, I said it away last time and I kind of got a little reprimanded about it. The fame will get to you. So don't let that control your relationships and your outside relationships. And I think you kind of understand what I'm saying with that or whatever, okay? Don't put yourself and your company at risk uh, by doing things with listeners that you probably shouldn't. I think there, I think I'm good with that or whatever. You have to be careful with that. And then the last thing I think I want to say is when we do things in ex excess here, we go out. There's a lot of parties. There's a lot of appearances we have to keep up. After the party, there's the after party. After the after party, long nights. Lots of um, comps and you're like, hey, record reps took us out. We had some drinks and everything else like that. And just be careful as far as in what you engage in with excess, as far as in partying and a little drinking and whatever else like that. Because, well, I just have to say that, you know, because, you know, addiction and alcoholism runs rampant in our industry. And uh, I would have to be remiss if I did not at least mention that. Be careful. It's out there. It's very, very easy to, for it to take over your life. And I'm one of those people where it kind of did. So please be very, very careful, okay? This business is unrelenting and when you've got alcoholism and addiction involved with it, I want to, as a professional, I nobody ever spoke or said anything about that when I was in the business. So if nothing else, please be aware of that. Take care of your mental, take care of your health, take care of your family and be on the lookout because that could show up and I've seen more people lose jobs over and over again because of that. So please, please just be very, very careful. Well, I think often people forget that there is celebrity that goes along with a lot of the jobs that people do when they graduate with degrees in broadcasting, film, radio, television, whatever they're working in. And I think there are a lot of trappings with that. There are a lot of things you need to be careful with, even with having such a public profile and people knowing who you are. Right. Uh, there are different expectations placed upon you. Right. And then you think, too, that you can get away with things because of that. You think your celebrity lets you be above certain things or below certain things or that you're immune from certain things. Be careful. Just be very, very careful. I think you I think you encapsulated it with the word celebrity. That's what it is, you know? Just like you watch certain football stars engage in things, certain actors and actresses, this is 
we are, it's an ego driven industry. It's a very, very big ego driven industry. Trust me, when you see your name in lights, whether it be on the marquee of the state theater, on a billboard in certain places, in the trade industries, wherever, it's addictive. It's very, very addictive. So, well, McConnell, I'm happy to see that you are happy and healthy and thriving and Lansing at Town Square. And I'm so thrilled that you could take some time to talk with me today. It is a pleasure to be. It's a pleasure. This is another thing, too. Let me say this. Give back. Always give back. Somebody needs to hear your story. You know, don't be an egomaniac about it. And, you know, all the rest of it. But give back, you know, guide people along. I wish, you know, we saw things, but I wish there was people who came. We used to do with it. Um. Great Lakes Radio Seminar. That, that We used to do that, which I think, I don't know if it evolved into MAB or what, how they worked out. I remember when people used to come. I remember Dick Burton from, Z, which is now, it's now Channel 955, but it used to be Z95.5 a long time ago. Dick Burton came up. I got to meet Dick Burton and talk to Dick Burton and a whole bunch of other different people. Give back. People need to know what it's like out here. People really, really need to know what this is and what they're getting into, you know? And uh, that's that's an important thing. So it's a pleasure and honor to be asked, especially by somebody in my business, my peers, my school to come and ask me. My friend, I, I love this woman right here. She's so awesome. I just like the stories and just the things that we've gone through and just like, it's a blessing to still be here and still do that. And for you to be able to come and ask me and just like me and Patty go back like, is it the foolery back in the day, the bird. We didn't talk about Mayfest, thank God, this time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Peter Orlick, just the names, uh, Dr. Henderson, just so much stuff. Um, Taco Boy, uh, what else? Uh, the Wayside, Nick's 911, just all types of fun stuff. I'm just saying Mount Pleasant stuff or whatever, but that's what we, we started in college and that made that relationship and here we are right now. And it's just, it's so dope to be here and just to, to be a part of it and to be asking and still be doing what I love. That's another episode of Depth of Field, a production of the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University. Thanks to my engineer, Michael Pawarski, and my producer, Allison Biss. I'm Patty Williamson. Thanks for joining us.